0: The enthusiasm is infectious.
1: So much of this process is about problem solving and making breakthroughs.
0: Everyone is coming with their own experiences to a galaxy that can support it. And then also have a group of filmmakers who
1: were not afraid to jump in. It's hard to believe all these years later, there's such energy around new stories in this world volume put me back in a set as if it was built. The outside is all video walls and
0: the top is a video wall. That was for me one of the most
1: rewarding experiences as someone who just loves Star Wars. George reiterated, remember to make these stories hopeful, to give that to kids because they really need it. It's important to the foundation of Star Wars, but we don't just want action, we want to feel uplifted. And Star Wars ultimately is about family. It is really saying there is a lot of hope out there.
0: This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we're still catching up from May the 4th. It was a whirlwind. It literally, like we said in the Clone Wars episode, it felt so much like a little celebration packed into one day because I was exhausted. Like the whole May the 4th experience and doing the Clone Wars episode and getting that out, it just, it wiped me out. Yeah, it totally was because we are already still hadn't even come to terms with friday's episode and kind of recuperated and then all of a sudden sunday night we're watching the finale and we're watching the mandalorian gallery show and then going to bed late and getting up early and watching them again and doing the episode and then getting actually for once really big news throughout the day it was maybe the best May the 4th since they've started officially doing May the 4th stuff like yeah it really felt like one really long day of Star Wars celebration which felt good since we may not be getting any more Star Wars celebration this year so it was nice to get a little taste a little treat the Disney store like completely crashed because of all the the, the deals and the exclusive stuff that was going on sale on May the 4th and it kind of reminded me of Celebration too with the Celebration store with where like, I feel like the at least the last couple celebrations were, like, well we're not going we're not even going to try and go there the first couple days, <laughs> and you just hear rumors like there's a line out of the state of Illinois in the in the store to get to, into the store. Yeah, don't don't re, don't remind me about the app. I had forgotten about all that fun, so now I'm those feelings are rushing back. It was working by Saturday. It was it was totally working because we just walked right in after yeah. just just got to give it a couple days. Yeah. Well, they did figure the store out. Their other stuff, I don't I don't know. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. So, like I said, we actually did get like a big announcement of uh, another Star Wars movie coming with uh, Taika directing a film, and he's co writing with Christy Wilson. Karen's, I think, is how pronounce her last name. Probably, it's probably we're so far from probably the actual correct <laughs> pronunciation. But it was she co wrote? Oh no, she wrote uh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, nineteen seventeen, and she's teaming up with Taika to do what it says on StarWars.com, right? A film, a film for theatrical release, not to be confused with television. Since I guess because Taika's last thing was TV, but. Yeah, it's exciting to know that, and we have no idea what it is, what it's about, if it's the one that's supposed to come out two is it two years from now, or if it'll be ten years from now, because he is still working on Thor, which is supposed to come out soon, but he also seems like the kind of guy who can actually whip out something pretty entertaining pretty quickly, so maybe this happened when it did, because he thinks he can get it out in time for two years from now? I don't know. And I also wonder since the world's a little crazy right now maybe that's a good <laughs> excuse for the current release dates to get to go away and they just figure out what the movie is before they give it a release date i don't know i guess we'll find out in the next few months or a couple of years if they're really going to have a movie and was it 2021 or 2022 it was 2022 right 2022 yeah it's exciting though i feel like everyone was excited but there also was a little bit of yeah, we've heard this song before. <laughs> There's is, is Ryan Johnson still doing anything? And there was the Game of Thrones goofballs, and the, it wasn't ever official, but there was that rumor that J.D. Dillard was doing a film. Hollywood Reporter had an article, which, you know, whatever that means. But it was that J.D. Dillard and one of the writers from Luke Cage, Matt Owens, we're going to develop a movie. But I guess at that point, they didn't know if it was theatrical or Disney And it still hasn't been officially announced. So maybe you're right that the Taika one is the only... Well, it's the only officially announced one and potentially the only thing that's theatrical, I guess. That's the, the big question with anything they're working on. Because it seems like they're not afraid to make a movie into a TV show or try to make a TV show into a movie. So really, I guess until we see a trailer, we won't know because... I mean, it's, it's like the Clone Wars premiere all over again. It was a TV show that all of a sudden turned into a movie, and who's to say that that won't happen again? Well, and if it is a movie, and if it's another standalone something before we begin whatever another trilogy could be, whatever that looks like in the future, I think that's a cool idea. I w- I'd be more in favor before us jumping into something epic, and a series of connected films, getting a really fun, entertaining Taika standalone. I mean, I think that sounds like a great idea with a first-class writer doing the screenplay. I mean, go for it. Let's do it. That sounds like a plan. Well, I remember the last things that Kathleen Kennedy was saying about new films was they weren't going to jump into any trilogies, and if anything was... There were sequels that, you know, it would just organically go into another one. They weren't just gonna start saying this is gonna be a three part story. So I think that's at this point, after three trilogies, it's kind of more exciting to just see what they can do with a, a single film and and let that film decide if it makes sense to do another story instead of, yeah, pre-planning it. And maybe that's why the Ryan Johnson stuff is still happening behind the scenes, but they don't wanna all of a sudden go back out with a with a three movie trilogy at this point yeah and you know that that could be the big lesson from the sequel trilogy it's take your time take your time. <laughs> take your time with this that's we're in no rush here people maybe you just need one movie maybe you need three maybe you need five maybe you need two just be flexible yeah well it was an uh, officially confirmed that leslie headland who did the show Russian Doll. The, the rumor was out there a couple weeks ago or a week ago or whatever, but it's now confirmed on StarWars.com that she is going to write and produce and be the showrunner on an unknown Disney Plus show, which now we've got Mandalorian, Kenobi, Cassian, and whatever this is, the fourth Star Wars Disney Plus show. And that's, that's still pretty vague and unknown, but very exciting. Pretty, bring it on, whatever you want to do. It sounds great. Yeah, it was nice to see them even though nothing has changed to still mention that Cassian and Kenobi shows are still happening and yeah, as exciting as it is for a a Taika movie, I think I'm still more pumped to see what these TV shows because Mandalorian was just so much fun and and with us just rewatching the whole series just a few days ago almost at this point with our uh, we did the watch party for that like that show still gets my blood pumping. So I'm so excited for, for Star Wars on TV, and this Mandalorian gallery show is just making it even worse, like just seeing how much fun everybody has making these shows. Just It's hard not to be excited to see what these other shows are going oh, to be. And on the subject of Mandalorian, wrapping up the May the 4th news that we got, it's officially confirmed that Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed are going to be part of the director's crew for Season 2 of the Mandalorian. There's like this picture floating around on the internet the last couple of days. days. It's like, here's the Mandalorian season two directors and Bryce Dallas Howard's back and Rick Fumiawa is back. And also they haven't made any announcement on who all the directors are yet. We know what Filoni and Rodriguez and Peyton Reed now, but that's, that's all we know so far for sure. And we're some percentage sure that, Carl Weathers is going to direct one since he kept talking about how he agreed to do the show, if he could direct one in season two and they haven't announced it, but I would be surprised if he doesn't get to. Robert Rodriguez getting a chance to play in star Wars is really awesome. I mean, I've been watching Robert Rodriguez movies since Desperado, his, his book he wrote and the, the spy kids movies, been following that guy for a long time. Spy Kids two. If it's been a while since you've watched Spy Kids two, Spy Kids two is where it's at. I'll I will say, all this. Well, at least I don't think I ever saw Spy Kids four. And I don't. Did he direct Spy Kids four? I don't remember. But one, two, and three. He, he probably did. Yeah. Are I love one, two, and three. And yes, two is extra crazy. But one and three are are a lot of fun as well. And three was a fun. 3D experience and had Ricardo Montalban in a robot body so it had that going for it. Was 3 was 3 the one with Antonio Banderas in the beginning and he was working on the 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 brain the the ultra brain and then he got the call that the spy kids needed him and he like threw the ultra brain aside or something. It might be that was the 3D one all about video games. Yeah. Where they were trapped in the video game but yeah, if they brought Spy Kids Robert Rodriguez to to The Mandalorian, then that's the Robert Rodriguez that we all need to work on The Mandalorian because that's the crazy green screen, goofy kid, action-packed, good times Robert Rodriguez that The Mandalorian needs. But I guess if we got serious, goofy, blood and guts Robert Rodriguez, that would fit The Mandalorian too. So really, I guess what I'm saying is it kind of makes a lot of sense that they got Robert Rodriguez to work on The Mandalorian. If you watched Alita Battle Angel and you thought after that movie, did the guy made that, could could he do a Star Wars movie? would be like, well, yeah. And so I don't know. I just hope there's a reference to barbecue in the movie. I hope like Jeff Fahey shows up or something like Tom Savini has a cameo or something in it. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I forgot that he did Battle Angel Alita already, even though I spent like. Half the summer telling you you should go see Battle Angel, it's pretty good. Jeff Fahey has a robot beard. And I saw it and it, it was like Cold Wars all over again. It's like you were right. You're right. It's the rule. When you tell me I need to see something, I usually should. But something you know, there was it came out. It, I feel like it came out right around the same time as Celebration Chicago or something. And I was I was we, I was I couldn't do it. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff out at the time. But it's not every day you get to see cyborgs roller skate and eat chocolate. So well and Peyton Reed too. I mean Ant-Man oh, and the Wasp, or Bring It On. We might be the only fans out there of Ant-Man and the Wasp. but Ant-Man, I really like Bring It On, too. Or Bring It On as well, <laughs> because there is a Bring It On, too. I, I thought you were just saying Bring It On. I was like, <laughs> no, I, well, I was, and he directed Bring It On, which is good, which is a good movie. I've seen that way too many times. Maybe it'll be a maybe a cheerleading Mandalorian, which I'm all for too. So yeah, well that's I, it's like with Robert Rodriguez, it's like oh, it's Robert Rodriguez. Well, which Robert Rodriguez? They're all pretty awesome and would work for Mandalorian. And then you go to Peyton Reed, and it's like oh, is it Ant Man and the Wasp? Peyton Reed or Bring It On? Peyton Reed. Well, either one would be pretty awesome for the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess the, the the moral of this is it's good that they're hiring more goofballs because it seems like the goofier the goofball, the better. The Mandalorian is. And when we get into the the gallery show, I think as much as all the directors they got are different and have different levels of interests and experience deep down, other than being smart people, which Jon Favreau looks for, they're also, I think, a little bit of a goofball, which makes them all perfect for Star Wars. Yeah, and that that goes into the whole thing of, of this bonus episode. Yeah, is that... We have now episode one of this show, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, which is such a treat that we're even getting this. <laughs> I remember after The Mandalorian, it's like, why can't we have something, a little behind the scenes, anything? And it's like, okay, here's eight episodes, what's probably going to total to be about four hours of in-depth, behind the scenes, roundtable conversations about this Star Wars TV show. You know, Such a gift, such a wonderful gift we've been given here. And that's the whole thing that, yeah, we have all these different directors and these different points of view. And like Favreau says, like in the very beginning of the episode, the one unifying thing is that they all deeply love Star Wars, but they all come at it from these different angles, which is so cool. And it reminded me of a lot of the spirit of what was going on on May the 4th, which is funny. It came out on May the 4th of everyone celebrating their Fandom, their deep, crazy, psychotic love of these goofy space movies, but everyone coming at it in their own different ways and their own perspectives. But the the it's you know these directors, it's like the 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 fandom out there. Our common thing is that we all love this thing, but we all love it in our own unique ways and our perspectives. And it's cool to see that then them articulating that in it coming on screen. Yeah, it's great the way it kind of explains, I think, why the Mandalorian series was so much fun and turned out so well, is they just did such a good job of channeling all their different interests and excitement about Star Wars into this one whole thing that you find out that really they kind of all had input on everyone else's episodes. And it was just this big collaboration between all these people who just were trying to figure out this technology and figure out this new chapter of star wars and and fill it with as much excitement and heart and silly nonsense as they could and you know the results speak for themselves the proof is in the pudding the star wars pudding which there should be star wars pudding i would eat it i'd be eating it right now you'd barely be able to understand what i was saying because i'd have a mouthful of star wars pudding you get an eight pack of mandalorian pudding and each each pack is a pudding based on one of the eight episodes Oh, my God. <laughs> I would officially declare this is all I'm going to eat. Okay, you've got an eight-pack of Mandalorian pudding based on each episode. What episode, what pudding pack would you eat first to sample? Episode two, because you know it would be <laughs> taste like the egg. Soka! Soka! And I would just eat it with my fingers and get it all over my face. <laughs> I'd look like Chewbacca in Solo. With a face full of space pudding. Marketing ideas with a Z. Hashtag. <laughs> right away in the beginning, there's Filoni, and he's like, oh, the, the, the lasers. And it's, we're living in the Filoni age now. Like, we're in Filoni time. Because between like the last episode of Clone Wars and like Dave Filoni being on Good Morning America, you forget that this Disney gallery is like, being shown around the world and it's almost like for for star wars fans for a long time feloni was kind of like our rick mccallum or something like kind of like well we obsess over this person and we we know who this person is but a lot of people don't care who the cooks in the kitchen are making the food but now feloni is kind of He's out there. He's the dude, and he's all over this, and a lot of people are going to watch this show, and a lot of people are going to know this Dave Filoni person. It's funny you talk about the cooks in the kitchen, because I swear, I think in one of the recent interviews with him about Clone Wars, he talks about how so many people know him from The Chef Show <laughs> <laughs> with John Favreau. So. <laughs> A lot of people know him as one of the cooks in the kitchen, and now they'll know who he really is as the the head goofball of of the Star Wars universe. Now, and the the Yoda of goofballness. Well, I don't think we've ever talked about that, but if you you probably have Netflix, and if you haven't watched John Favreau's chef show, the episode where they go to Skywalker Ranch and they're eating food with Dave Filoni, the like vegetables that are grown on the ranch, it's uh Amazing because it's it's a side of Filoni we you haven't seen before, and if you're like obsessively crazy about Dave Filoni, like so many of us are, and you've never and you want to see Dave Filoni eat, which we've never seen, that was my whole thing when I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, is Dave Filoni eating? I've never seen that before. He's a real person; he has to eat too. (laughs) He's just like us. But it yeah, it's it makes sense, and it was great for them to start. I mean, they went in order of of the episodes they directed but it makes sense to start with dave and and it was nice they kind of gave everyone a chance at the round table to kind of get some background on him and hear his great story about getting hired which if you enjoyed the story there and you hadn't seen the hour-long interview with him from the star wars show from a few years ago where uh, andy gutierrez talks to him for an hour and he gives the even longer version of that story. I definitely re- recommend Go uh, getting that video on YouTube and watching it, because uh, that's one of those stories that kind of never gets old, and it's fun to hear it even over and over again. and it's uh, the longer the extended version is great as well.: When I love he's talking about how he's making a Jedi costume in his garage, and then since the episode came out, his friend he went to celebration with that was dressed as Kit Fisto, and Filoni was dressed as Plocoon, posted a picture of them as Plocoon and Kit Fisto from Celebration Three. And it's like p- part of me and the, the Kit Fisto, he cut away the mouth so he could smile. I remember that Kit Fisto. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the thing too, and it kinda of, it endears me to Filoni more than already. We already love him so much, but it's like and Maybe I just want to believe this But yeah, I, I remember that Kit Fisto And it's like, well, and I kind of remember There being at Celebration 3 Like, oh my god, there's someone dressed as Plo Koon, And that was probably Dave Filoni It probably was And I think that's the thing why Us fans, like, we love him So much Is because he went to Celebration, he had a Plo Koon costume He cares so deeply About it, and he's He's not showing up at the office every day wearing a suit and tie. He's he's creative. He's the he's a key creative person, and I want I don't really want him to ever leave that role of being a creative person at Lucasfilm. Yeah, it seems like the worst thing for him would be to be man, like managing too much stuff. <laughs> like he needs to be out there having fun and making sure that everything else is fun, which. It looks like that's what he was doing on The Mandalorian. I don't know. It's so awesome to see. And we. it's funny to think about how little, if ever, we even see just someone involved in making these movies and stories on camera just being excited about Revenge of the Sith or any of the prequel stuff. Like just the fact that he's sitting on the, on the show talking about how excited he was for revenge of the sith and you know he was excited for revenge of the sith because he was super excited after attack of the clones came out and just the to just to get to see that even in a behind the scenes thing was just like i don't know it brought a smile to my face to think about that you know he was out there going nuts like just waiting to see what happens in revenge of the sith and yeah building a blocoon costume do you hear so many of the people making the films and stuff, and they talk about, oh, and then when I saw The Empire Strikes Back, it was this, and, you know, I had the Kenner action figures in the 70s, and that's all well and good, and that's fine, but let's not forget our our, our old friends, the prequels. <laughs> well, I think it's just nice to see that it's there are people out there that love those movies, and they might be weirdos, but they're not that big of a weirdo, and there's lots of us, and it's just, you know, it's cool to see you're not... Alone, If you're out there remembering being excited for Revenge of the Sith, it's okay. And I don't know about everybody else, but I know watching the Filoni segment, I was really paying attention to all of his shirts and especially his denim jacket that says werewolves on the back. Like, where do you even get a jacket like that? I think he got that from Tyka because that's the whole, um, in what we do in the shadows, The wer- the werewolves kept saying the werewolves. And I think they were supposed to do a spinoff TV show called Werewolves. Did you ever see what we do in the shadows? No. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry I, sorry. I I didn't see the TV show, so I'm not that great. But the movie was pretty good. It was funny. And that was the whole, there was a section in the middle basically where the, where the vampires are like running into the werewolves on the street and they're like arguing with each other. And I believe one of the werewolves says werewolves. <laughs> So I think he got that jacket from Tyka, or he got it just to impress Tyka. And it makes perfect sense that they probably got along really well because Dave's all about wolves and Tyka made a movie about vampires and werewolves. At the next celebration, whenever it happens, I will expect the Dave Filoni fashion collection to be sold exclusively. Yeah. I liked he was wearing the the celebration Mandalorian shirt, I think, during the round table, wasn't he? Isn't that the one he was wearing? And like the neck looks all stretched out and stuff and He's been, he probably has worn that once a week since celebration last year. Were you, when you saw that, like, man, why didn't I get that? (laughs) I did. I was like, I had that in my hands and I just decided not to buy it. It was right there. I could have gotten it. They even had my size. What everybody talking about Filoni's being the connection to, to George Lucas, and there's that wonderful footage of the big George sitting on the set with Favreau. And Filoni, I wish we could hear what they were talking about. It well, looks good, all right. And everyone talking about how he's the the keeper of the knowledge and and all that stuff. And I and I love how he's Filoni is so humble about it all, and he kind of keeps reiter, reiter, reiterating that it's not so much that as it's that he cares, and he cares as a fan and his role now and. It's like he knows he's the the keeper of the wills, the guardian of the wills at this point, but it's not out of like a I'm King Nerd kind of attitude. It's just like, no, I care about this thing. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like he's not going out of his way to be a know it all. He just he loves this stuff and he can't help but have it spew out of him. I still love the, the shot where they're he's talking about the scene in Empire where the camera pans by and John Favreau's just like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's, that's that's a that's a deep cut for me. Too deep cut. Too much of a deep cut. Well, because in that moment, we all know how Felony feels. We've all been been there with people. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's not trying to show off. It's just that would come. That's the first thing that came to his mind. He couldn't help it. When you drop a Qui Gon quote, when you feel someone needs to be inspired, you know, it's, concentrate on the moment. Don't focus on your anxieties. That's what Qui-Gon says. That's how I live. So, well, and, and uh, kind of, I guess, jumping to the end, but the I think I like that the I think it's the last quote from from Dave too. Is just him talking about how the whole experience of the making the Mandalorian was like going to Star Wars school, and just how much everyone learned from each other. And I just I thought that was a a fun way to put it that they were all at Star Wars school. Well, that quote, that moment at the end. He like puts his head down and it's like, when I watch it, I'm like, is Dave Filoni about to start crying? Because he, he did cry. What well, was at the press conference for The Mandalorian when he was talking about his dad and stuff? And that's the thing, too, with the Lucas on the set and everyone talking about, oh, Filoni this, Filoni that. He's the man. He's the person. And him kind of talking about going to Star Wars school. Well, that's he went to Star Wars school and he trained like with Yoda. And now everyone talking about him like he's the master, like he's the keeper of the knowledge, and he's the connection to Lucas and all this crazy stuff. And I don't know. Then with him putting his head down at that moment, it's kind of like he—that's the thing. He's—he's he's humble about it. He's not showing up making everybody kiss his Star Wars ring as soon as he walks into the Lucasfilm offices in the morning. He's—he's he's Dave Filoni. He seems to appreciate how lucky he has been, in that maybe. He never imagined he would be where he was today either. And I think that's seems like a good thing that, you know, yeah, he is humble because he knows he's living his dream and not everyone gets to live his dream, but he is, he's using his powers for good. (laughs) the Jedi way, (laughs) but I do kind of wish he had a big giant gaudy Jedi ring that he made people kiss. (laughs) Well, then, then they start, let's get into some of the other directors that they go over and they, they show a spotlight on our first is, uh, the the amazing the wonderful Deborah Chow, who uh, I think I'm in love with Deborah Chow. I don't know. I I might try and send her a birthday card whenever her birthday is. I don't know. i well, well. I like too that they they sh- they highlight the fact that as much as she's having fun on set trying to make the show so great, she also is like she's taking it seriously when she needs to, and just how part of the reason her episodes were so good is that she puts in the work and she comes on set and like ready to go. And everyone's like, if there's time to film, Deborah's going to make sure we're filming. Like she's not just there to have fun. She's there to do work, but she's having fun while she does the work. And it seems like the work paid off because everybody else seemed to have fallen just as much in love with her and her episodes to them giving her the Kenobi show, which is probably the thing I feel like people are most, excited about with the new stuff coming out because everyone just with maybe not so much the taika movie because we kind of know what he did for mandalorian and thor and his other movies but just i feel like everyone's super pumped for kenobi because they know what deborah chow can do behind the camera in the star wars universe and you know we see why here in just the little time we get to talk to her The yeah the whole time she's talking and stuff i'm just like oh my god the kenobi show (laughs) The Kenobi yeah. show. Oh my God! Yeah. So. Yeah, and if there's a shakeup and changes on the show, I wouldn't be surprised. It's because she showed up with a list of things that need to happen to make the show awesome, and and we should be happy that there. It seems to be making sure that that show's good and trusting her to make it happen. Up next, we have Rick Famuyiwa. I think we finally figured out how to say his last name finally, and I think I'm in love with Rick Famuyiwa too. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to send him a birthday card. Like, I think I'm also in love with him. So. This this whole episode is like going to uh, Star Celebration speed dating and you want to marry all of them. He did episode <laughs> two. He did episode <laughs> six. And I love that John Favreau talks about when they showed episode six to Disney. Disney thought was, that one's a little weird. <laughs> Which is funny that they thought that one was a little weird. Maybe they hadn't seen part two yet. Yeah, maybe, maybe because that's yeah, that's a true weird. But I just man, I love him so much. He's the one. He just seems like such a chill, great person. And he talks about when he's talking about his love for Star Wars. It's he's got like a little twinkle in his eye when he's talking about Star Wars, and you can get that love in his episodes. I really hope he. You know, he's rumored to come back for season two of Mandalorian. I. I hope he does, but I, I would love to see him do a feature film or something more in Star Wars. Yeah. Well, because I think the, the the best thing with Rick is his two episodes were great, and they were both really weird. But I think more than anyone else, his two episodes were the most different, and we got to see more range from him, where it's like he can do this super intense heist episode, and then also the most just surreal kind of abstract out there episode with the Jawas and, and no human faces and barely any dialogue. Like he really showed that no matter what the context is, he gets the universe and he can make something that's just a classic. I mean, both of those episodes as much as any of them are just like classic Star Wars things for all time at this point. And yeah. And he, him being such a chill guy just makes it even more impressive. And then I guess I just love the part two where he's just totally freaking out because he was, literally feeling like he was at the sandcrawler and they show that crazy shot of the of the screens in the volume where they you know they they pan the camera up and it looks like he's standing under this the sandcrawler but really he's just in the studio in their, their crazy TV volume which i can't wait until we get to the uh episode of Disney Gallery all about the the crazy tech that's going <laughs> to <laughs> So up next we're we're talking about Bryce Dallas Howard which i love that they're talking about how they threw her in the deep end and gave her kind of the hardest episode to do, which is really true. And like, that's the thing when we went back and did like our Jedi club, when we rewatched it. And I I remember feeling that when her episode came out too, but it's even since time has passed and we've kind of chilled out with (laughs) our weekly Mandalorian freakouts. episode four of the Mandalorian sanctuary, it's exactly the episode we needed. And it, would have been such a hard episode to do because it it is such a change of pace from what we have had before, and it works so well going back and watching it again. I mean, I liked it from day one. you know you want to say time has <laughs> what the few months or whatever since it came out. It just keeps getting better and better and better, sanctuary. Well, if anything, it's almost, it reminds me of how going back to Phantom Menace, like Phantom Menace is fun because it's so different than the other movies. And this is another, within that season, like that one kind of stands out as the one that's very different. It's more about the Mandalorian interacting with good people. And it's kind of laid back a little bit, at least in the first half. And yeah, watching it again, I think because it's so different, really makes it kind of feel special. And she did a great job with that episode for it one being hard and two, I think we had said as far as I know before this, she'd just directed a couple shorts. So she really was the, uh, the junior member of the team and she, her episode didn't seem like she was a junior member of the team. Like she did a phenomenal job with that episode. When well, I love her talking about too, that she wanted it to feel for the actors, at least like they're just doing theater. that They're just running through lines, getting to know their characters and, That's the episode is so important too because it's the turning point for The Mandalorian where he's been through all this stuff with Werner Herzog and he's got the child now. And it's kind of like, okay, well, who am I now? Yeah, and it had to be exactly what it was. And, yeah, she was exactly the right person and her attitude for doing – her philosophy with going into this episode was exactly what right. And I don't know. I I like that episode a lot. I love with the roundtable too that – as much as everyone seemed to be into Dave's origin story and his interactions with Lucas early on, she may have out-Lucas-storied Dave with her recollections of being a little girl getting dragged to Japan with her dad to have dinner with Lucas and Kurosawa. That's cute. Yeah. You were in line for Revenge of the Sith and you thought you could out your buddies, but I was a little girl. Sleeping while my dad had a conversation with George Lucas and Akira Kurosawa. Yeah, all the you could see all the other directors, like, start drooling and their, <laughs> their eyes bug out of their heads. Uh, so, yeah, she's great. Uh, I, I'd love if she comes back for season two. And finally, that brings us to Taika. Who is totally another super goofball, which we all knew that. But every, the more you see him, the more you realize that... Uh, he really is perfect for Star Wars because he's got that the perfect blend of of heart and sheer goofiness. <laughs> well and his his quote that and it's funny that this episode came out like on the same day that it was announced that he was doing a feature film because then when I feel like when they started talking to him, it was kind of like oh yeah you you're part of a club now, but his quote where he said it doesn't take itself hundred percent seriously, but it does believe in itself i've never heard anyone say that about Star Wars before, but it's so obvious <laughs> like that's kind of the whole thing, and it's something that sometimes is is I think is lost on people and it, it, you know what it reminded me of like when we did our quest of the Jedi episode, I feel like that's all we were trying to say a hundred percent during the ultimate fan film quest of the jedi and why quest of the jedi is such a good fan film even though you know like when we talked to david zrisky like the obvious flaws or limitations that fan film has but it doesn't take star wars 100% seriously but it believes in itself that's a rare thing for someone to kind of make that aha moment with this goofy thing that we all love so much such a simple way to to explain all of it so simply. And I yeah, I almost feel like that was his it's like that was his pitch. He just had to go to Kathleen Kennedy and say that sentence and she's like, okay, make a movie. You got this. Well, and them playing the clips from his episode and thinking of that with IG11 running through the town, blasting people up, with cutting to Yoda baby smiling on his chest, or IG11 walking through the the river of lava and the the droid captain of the ship and then that episode also has the the armorer beating up the stormtroopers and like mando and Kara and grief like escaping from the little bar where they were at and it's that whatever 30 40 minutes whatever is that last episode of season 1 is such a mix of strange bizarre humor and unbelievably awesome Star Wars action. It's kind of why his Thor Ragnarok works as well as it does. It's just it's fun. It's a really really fun movie, but it's also got really really cool action parts and it's it's not just 100% goofy and it's not just 100% action action action. It's just fun. Yeah. Well, and then there's it's got heart and a little bit of just enough emotional bits to get you invested and then goes goes crazy with it and i I love at the end too after we've gone through all the directors kind of favreau coming in and also i love john favreau doesn't try and like speak over everyone during the whole episode he kind of just sits back and lets these directors talk which is great but he says at the end kind of talking about like their philosophy with hiring all these different people like if you stick to the playbook you won't succeed and he's kind of talking about how he needed people to be creatively brave yeah Well, that was, I think, the overall theme almost of this episode, which I thought was good because people who are a lot of people who watch these behind the scenes stuff want to learn something because they're interested in how films and shows are made. And a lot of people who end up working in that industry got excited about it because of watching behind the scenes stuff. And that between, I mean, Bryce makes a point to say it about how much movie making is problem solving and John really hones in on that at the end too, that it's the important thing is to be creative, but you also have to be smart and able to think on your feet and the people who are most successful in that business in visual effects or directing or any of that kind of visual storytelling are people who are smart and creative and can think on their feet and, and, and are flexible and, all these directors met that criteria and they, and the show succeeded so well because they were all able to think on their feet and be creative and solve problems. They went to star Wars school. (laughs) Class was in session. I love it. I I love that we're getting seven more of these and it's going to go into June. If you enjoyed this, uh, We're going to be doing an episode for each one of the Disney galleries on the Mandalorian over on uh, the Blast Points Army on Patreon. And yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to what's coming up with this. I love that we're getting these. It's so incredible. Yeah, it's neat now finally seeing how this format works and that instead of just a, a, a mishmash of behind the scenes stuff or going chronologically or whatever, what we're kind of used to just kind of breaking it down by kind of disciplines or areas of the production and, and getting to hear those people's thoughts intermixed with kind of behind the scenes stuff. One thing we didn't mention that I got to say, cause it kind of blew my mind uh, even more. The second time watching this is how good the onset dark saber looked. Oh my God. Why I was, why was I so shocked that, that was a real prop? I was like, Oh, well, it's like, we've seen the, the normal lightsabers on set and how good they look now with the lights in them. But I think just because the dark saber is mostly black with just the white around the edges. Like, I almost wonder if they they didn't even do anything to it in post, almost. Like, it looked like he really had the real Darksaber, even in the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, it kind of blew my mind. The future is a wonderful place to be. I'm glad we're finally living in the future. At least for Star Wars. (laughs) True. No disintegration.
1: As you wish. Now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. All of this because of one helmeted bounty hunter.
0: Okay, we'd like to introduce Boba Fett. And here he is.
1: Why is the Darksaber so important? What's the deal with Moff Gideon? The History of Mandalorians
0: So, Apple Podcast Reviews, you know the drill. If you want to, if you listen on something Apple and you want to write a little something, we would love if you would do that. We'll read your review in an upcoming show. And we got to give a shout out to everyone who, like, I don't know, mentioned us on Twitter and got us on the Apple Podcasts main page for. May the 4th Top Star Wars Podcast. It was a surprise and a thrill, and it was great to be up there with so many other shows that are legit friends of ours. That was a great feeling, and so happy for them. And we were kind of like, what, what? How did... And the thing is, like, we, the, we only got on there because the people that actually listen to the show and like the show... Mentioned it on Twitter when Apple was like, "Hey, what Star Wars podcasts are good?" So it's not like we were out there doing anything. It was all you folks, and I don't know. Thank you, we appreciate it so much. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. And it yeah, it was nice to see everyone out there on Twitter had really good taste. <laughs> <'Cause> it, it, <laughs> it, it was a it was a solid list. Yeah, it was a really yeah it was a really cool list to see. Yeah, so many of our friends between Sky Talkers and What the Force and Scavengers Horde and Brandon talking Bay 94 and so many others on the list it was just really really it was like oh it was heartwarming it was like a, it was like a really nice May the 4th gift and yeah it was so thank you and don't forget to check out our website blastpointspodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group and we are still doing our movie watch-alongs and this weekend is the holiday special. It is, We're going to keep the celebration feeling alive by watching one of the greatest moments in Star Wars history It's a beautiful thing. It's a really it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I can't wait And like we said, if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where this weekend we'll have the episode for the second episode of the Mandalorian Disney Gallery thing. So we're going to keep doing them as long as they keep making them. So that should be a lot of fun. But that wraps up this bonus episode. After this, I think, you know, we say it now, but who knows in the future, we're going to take at least a little break with the bonus episodes. We're so tired. <laughs> we, you know like we said last week we did the trilogy we did we, we did quest the jedi the george lucas super live and the qvc episode and so yeah but yeah we're going to take a little break from the bonus episodes but it's been you know the fact that people out there have said so how much they've loved kind of these side trips we've gone on with the bonus episodes so it it means a lot and we're happy we we gave people some good distraction during this looney tunes era (laughs) we're all we're all in here yeah it was great to get to do the extra stuff and it made it all worthwhile that everyone seemed to enjoy them so much so yeah thank you again yeah but like one of the best james bond movies that never say never again so who knows could be back you never know but that wraps up this bonus (laughs) episode for the directing mandalorian and yeah we'll be back next week with more fun stuff so thank you everybody Bye bye. May the Force be with you.
1: Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Of people's lives, and it's something that they just see now on a regular basis. That when you uh, say George Lucas and he created it, I don't think people give enough full value to what that means. Um, I like to think I do, but I worked with him, so I've seen him create it. I've seen the person that uh, comes up with the lines and the dialogue and understands. Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker in a very deep level because those characters are a part of him. And for my part, you know, joining Lucasfilm, I always respected that. I never felt that Star Wars is something that was mine. I felt privileged to be a part of telling the story. I felt grateful that I got to do it with George. May a force be with all of you.